You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, Giants fans, and welcome to a new edition of the Valentine's Views podcast here on Big Blue View Radio, part of your SB Nation family of podcasts. I wrote the other day on Big Blue View that the one remaining big item for the New York Giants this offseason was a resolution to the Saquon Barkley contract situation. And here to uh, to help me break it down, figure it out, is Joel Corey, former sports agent and CBS sports analyst. Uh, Joel, how you doing? Thank you very, very much for uh, for spending some time. Oh, I'm doing great. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Hey, um, before we we really dive into the nitty gritty of Saquon. And when you were a sports agent, you know, you represented a lot of, of, I guess what we would call, you know, high profile type clients. Just how much different is it negotiating a deal for a guy like Saquon Barkley than, than it is for, you know, for, for your quote unquote normal, you know, NFL player. Well, for your typical NFL player, um, if you're talking backup, you don't have a lot of leverage, so you got to take that into account. Uh, for a star player, typically you have more leverage, but in this situation, that may not be the case given the position uh, running back. Yeah. So, so let's so let's let's start there. There's a couple of narratives that are out there when it comes to Barkley, and the one narrative that that I know I have actually, what I said the other day was that I might agree with it. The one narrative is that, that Saquon and Kim Mayali, his, his agent may have misread the market um, or maybe, you know, shot a little bit too high here. How do you feel about, about that particular narrative? You know, they did turn down, you know, apparently, you know, 12 and a half million average annual value. So how do you feel about that particular narrative? Well, it's hard to judge that without knowing more details about the offer because not all 12 and a half for $13 million per year offers are created equally. Let's say there was 18 million, say, say it's a four year offer. Let's say there's 18 million in the first two years, that's 9 million per year. And the rest to get to 52 is in the uh, back end. In that last two years, that's an offer you're going to turn down because it's way too backloaded. So without knowing what the amount guaranteed is, fully guaranteed, and also the cash flow, it's hard to say whether they made a mistake or not turning down an offer in the $12 to $13 million per year range. Assuming it was constructed conventionally or at least a fair structure, then you can make a good argument for that. But we don't know those details yet. So um, since there's information out there and that hasn't put, put out there, then that isn't coming from the agent about 
that information, at least to me, because you, the agent would have got the structure if it was a bad structure. Like, well, here's why I turned it down. It was this. Or would have been right. leaked sources say that the offer was only X amount over the first two years or, or X amount was guaranteed. And that hasn't come out yet. And of course, what people always forget is people get hung up on the on the, you know, four and 52. And what really matters, as you said, is the structure and the guarantee is what the athlete knows he's going to get. Oh, precisely. Because right. NFL contracts aren't fully guaranteed. So the overall dollar figure is meaningless. Well, it was only it was one, Sean Watson, but other than that, they're not. Right. Well, actually, first round pick contracts are guaranteed. But you know what I mean? For the most right. part, they're not. Right. So the other narrative that's out there, and you kind of mentioned it, you know, when we first started chatting, is that the Giants have the leverage here because of because of the franchise tag, it, it, the fact that they can use it this year and again next year if they if they chose to. Um, is that do you do you agree with that that the Giants have the leverage here? The run, yes, the running back market has not done Barkley any favors. Um, we saw uh, Ezekiel Elliott drop out of the market. He was a fifth per year. That was the second highest paid guy. I know Alvin Kamara on paper is 15, but there's 25 million in the last year that he was never going to see, even if he's playing great. So it's really 12.5 million per year over the first four years. So I call it 12.5 million. You had Miles Sanders signed for. I think 25.4 over four years, 6.35 million per year is the top free agent running back contract. Uh, who knows if Dalvin Cook is still on his contract, which averages 12.6 million per year when the regular season starts. So uh, running back market has not done Saquon Barkley any favors. Now, what surprised me was when Joe Shane said the offer had been pulled. Usually you table discussions, that offer remains Pulling the offer raised eyebrows to me or got my attention. I was talking to a former team negotiator yesterday, and I, out of curiosity, I asked him, how often did you pull an offer with a, in a veteran negotiation? And he was a negotiator for about 15 years. He said two, three, four times. So that's an unusual step. Maybe that's how Shane is going to do things in the future, but that would send a message to me if I'm – the player that this is going to be an extremely tough negotiation. Does that tell you perhaps that when the giants come back to the table and put an, maybe if they put another offer on the table, that that 12 and a half million is gone, that it's probably going to be a lesser offer than that. You got a huge problem if you do that, because whatever you offered him in November, when he was a priority over Daniel Jones, if you can't get back to that point, I suspect he's playing on the franchise tag. And if you have any offer which is less than the value of two franchise tags over the first two years, which is basically $22 million per year, he's going to take his chance on the franchise tag. He's like, I can make basically 10-1 this year, and then I can make basically 12-1 next year. So, you know what? I'll take my chances on the tag. Um, So, I anticipate if this thing gets done, it's going to come down to the wire. You have until July 17 to – to sign a franchise player to a long-term deal. Um, after that, it's a one-year deal. Now, his leverage is they're going to want him to show up at some point. And as long as he hasn't signed the tender, 
then he's not contractually obligated to perform any services. So if the mini, he didn't have to show up for a mini camp, no fine there. Then to show up for training camp, no fine there. Show up when he wants to. Mm-hmm. And as a running back, he knows the system. How you're not going to play him in the preseason. You're not going to play a running back in the preseason much. If you do, it's going to be one or two series max. Your big concern would be him having a soft tissue injury and then being out three, four, or five weeks because of hamstring or something. Once the regular season starts, that's where Barkley's leverage is. Now, if the Giants really want to play hardball, then they probably know there's no other team that's going to pay Saquon whatever they offer. The new offer will be when they give him a new one. And they could always pull the tender. And he could go into free agency. That's the nuclear option because mm-hmm. Saquon may out of general principle go, you know what? <laughs> I'm never playing here again. Mm-hmm. And I'll take less money to go elsewhere out of spite. Um that's something he should also keep in consideration that they could pull the tender and what's the landscape going to look like elsewhere as a non-exclusive franchise player. His agent has the right to shop himself to other teams and get the lay of the land of what the market would look like. Mm-hmm. And if they think it's going to be really bad, then he may sign the tender just to lock it in because it's fully guaranteed at that point. And you'd be stuck with it. The Johnson would be stuck with the cap hit if they tried to cut him. But until he signs it, they could pull it and go from there and then try to re-sign him. But that would be an extreme hard boss, already a little unusual that they've uh, pulled the can, offer instead of just tabling discussions. Can you pull the tag? Just to be clear, you're talking about pulling the tag. Is there a deadline? Well, fine, you can pull it with no ramifications. Then the Giants be- get back to 10, basically 10-1 in cap space. Be- even after the July 17 deadline? Yeah. Right. Uh, okay. You can revoke it. Um, that happened okay. one year of Corey Simon, like in 04, 05, that right before the regular season started, mm-hmm. they pulled his franchise uh, tender, and he, I think he signed up the Colts. Now, the last guy to have one pulled was Josh Norman, I think, in 16 by the Panthers, and he became the highest-paid cornerback with the Commanders less than a week later. But you could get all the cap room back uh, on an unsigned tender if you pull it. It's a, ra- it's a rarity to happen. You know, negotiations are negotiations, and especially, you know, with a high-profile guy like this, as you said, there's so many factors with the the running back market, you know, being down and all of that. You know, you you mentioned, you know, nuclear options and and all of that. You're on the outside, but but what's your sense at this point? Is your sense that it's that it's getting ugly is your sense that it's that it's going to get done um uh, yeah the the longer this goes obviously the the more nervous people get on the outside the more nervous the fan base gets about it so well the nfl is a deadline driven league the deadline is july 17th for the long-term deal so i'm not concerned about anything until we get in the 11th hour about where there'll be a long-term deal um Sometimes how the sausage is made isn't pretty. Um, so things get acrimonious. They get acrimonious and there's a deal done, then no harm, no foul. Uh, the first step of pulling the offer, um, that's a cause of concern on my part. The next step will be where that initial offer comes in for the Giants if they're under where they initially were when they negotiated during the season around the bye week, then you may have a problem. Um, But 
them pulling the offer to me signals we're at, we're fine if you play in the tag and it's going to be a deal of our liking as opposed to as opposed to us really trying to bridge the differences from where we were when their final offer was made before the league year started. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know, I tossed out to uh, to a few folks that have negotiated these contracts, actually a couple of former GMs in the league. I tossed out a number really just for discussion. And it's a little bit under the, the 12 and a half million. What I tossed out was three and 30 with maybe. Not getting done. Not, not getting done. No, no way. Even with incentives, no, two, even with incentives nope, to get him to nope, thirteen. Two tags is twenty-two million. You got to give the guy a, chance, a way to save face in negotiation. You're not giving him a chance to save face. Mm-hmm. So, that's going to be an important variable. You got to give him a chance to save face with all the information that's out there of where the offers are and mm-hmm. how the public opinion is. He made a mistake in turning it down. Right. That's going to be detrimental to the process. I don't think you get a deal done at three over thirty. Just out of curiosity, thirty over three, I should say. Right, right. Where do you where do you think uh, do you think the right numbers got to be right around that twelve million number, three and thirty six, or something along that line? I don't think line? you get a deal done if it's under whatever you whatever the first offer was. That's going to mm-hmm. be a hard psychological barrier for Barkley. Mm-hmm. So if it was, if he's going to be looking at it. I turned down X in November. Am I the same player I was? When you made that offer, mm-hmm. yes. Right. Then so why am it, I worth less? That's going to be hard for him to accept. So if it was, say, 3-39 and 39 or 4-52, and 52, then it's, it's pretty much going to have to land there just to, as you said, to allow him to save face and, and not, not look like he screwed this up. Yeah, that's going to factor into this more than I think people are, are anticipating. I'm curious, you know, John Mara – that's a wild tried. card. You get you get I, ownership involved, and they go, "Hey, get this I thing was, done." Right. I was what I was going to say is John was very sensitive when he hired Joe Shane. He was very sensitive to the criticism that his that he had gotten. You know that his family was maybe a little bit too involved on the football side, and he's tried to step back a little and let Joe Shane do what Joe thinks is right. 
But John also said this offseason that he wants Saquon Barkley to be a giant for the rest of his career. Do you think that at that 11th hour, when push comes to shove, is John going to do you think there's a possibility, you know, that, that he pounds his fist on the table and says, get this done, just put in, you know, whatever the number is, just get it done. Yeah, he might say, do what you have to do to get it done, not say, I want you to sign him for X, but it might just be a general directive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, as you said, that's that's the wild card. And I just, I just, you know, John watched the Giants lose, Saqu- not Saquon Barkley, he watched them lose Odell Beckham a few years ago. And, and I'm not sure he wants to to see them lose another superstar. I mean, I don't know if that plays into it at all. Yeah, that can be a consideration. Plus, as, as well as Daniel Jones played down the stretch, it's still Saquon that's more the face of the franchise, even though naturally the quarterback should be. Did they do the right thing, you think, this offseason? I mean, Joe made it very clear, I think, from day one of the offseason. He made it very clear that the quarterback would be his priority over the running back. I mean, he, yeah, said, he said things like, like, you know, if if somebody has to leave, then somebody has to leave, you know, and, and that was I mean, I, I took that as, you know, if, if if we can't come to a deal with Saquon, we just can't. So did he do the right thing? Yeah, quarterback's the most important position in the NFL. So it's interesting to me that they came to Saquon at the bye week to get something done, not Daniel Jones, but Daniel Jones played in a manner where that switched between the bye week and the beginning of the offseason. Without a quarterback, you're going nowhere in the NFL. Um, the Jets are a testament to that. Right. <laughs> so you had to get your quarterback done. Um, some people thought that they overpaid. But if you see where the quarterback market is going, um, if Daniel Jones continues to progress, then they have it. If this was an anomaly and this is the best he's going to be and he plateaus – or he regresses, then maybe that's a different story. But you had to take care of the quarterback. Although Saquon's better at what he does than what Daniel Jones is and what he does, there's the big gap in the value of the position. Here's something that's interesting about running backs. that If you look at who the highest paid non-quarterbacks were when the lockout ended or that first uh, deal was getting done in 2011 – Mm-hmm. Larry Fitzgerald was the highest paid nine quarterback at $16.1 million per year. And now you got a $30 million per year wide receiver. Um, granted, that's inflated last year for Tyreek Hill. The hi- highest paid running backs at the time were Adrian Peterson, $14.2 million. Chris um, Johnson, a shade under 13.5. You have one running back, Christian McCaffrey, who's averaging over $16 million per year, that is more than those two guys. So I'm calling Kamara 12.5 because he inflated it last year. So that shows you just how much the value of positions has changed in 12 years. Running back salaries have been extremely stagnant. So um, that's something Barkley has to take into consideration with how this thing is shaking out, that you got seven running backs making over $10 million per year, and it may be fewer than that, depending upon what happens with Dalvin Cook and potentially Joe Mixon. So 
not a great running back market. The only saving grace could be if Josh Jacobs does something which really helps the market since he led the league in yards per scrimmage and also rushing. Mm-hmm. That could be the only dynamic or variable in the equation. The running back market, they could be helpful. Yeah, I, I would guess that, you know, if Jacobs if Jacobs gets a, a number, then, you know, then Saquon's going to look at that and say that's that's this pretty indicative of where the market is for, for mm-hmm. high-end running backs. He got tagged. Right. Pollard, Pollard's not getting a deal done. He has the leg injury. He's playing on the tag. That's the best he's going to do this year. So he's not going to factor into the uh, market, at mm-hmm. least in any way, favorably or unfavorably. I want to ask you a question about Joe Shane. I get questions from people all the time. Well, why doesn't Joe do things with the salary cap the way that Howie Roseman does them in, in Philly? And, and I look at it and I, I think part of that answer is, well, Howie's been there for 14 years and every player on that roster was brought in by Howie. Every contract was negotiated by Howie and he's more or less, you know, he he's dealing with his own product. Joe is still working through, a lot of players that he didn't sign, a lot of money that he didn't, you know, that he didn't put on the books. So I guess the the long-winded question is just how do you think Joe has done so far in dealing with the Giants cap and getting them in a better financial situation than than, he, than they were in when he started? Well, they're ahead of schedule because no, they weren't supposed to make the playoffs last year, let alone win a playoff game. It was supposed to be a teardown year. Um, so it was basically we're evaluating players and then we're going to see who we're going to keep, who we're not. We're going to get rid of who we can. We're bringing in our own guys. They haven't really gotten to the bringing in their own guys phase all that much yet. They uh, unexpectedly found a quarterback that they weren't sold on. Um, Barkley was a question mark. So, and he, because of the injuries more than talent. He, you can't compare what Harry Roseman's doing to what the Giants are doing. We don't know what his overall blueprint is going to be yet. That'll be two, three years down the road before we have a real idea. Um, here's something Giants fans aren't going to like, but there could be some regression to the mean from a record standpoint, but the team could actually be better than it was last year, but it may not be reflected in the record. Mm-hmm. So I should take that into consideration. Um, yeah, could, go other it, way, could go other way as well. Could be a uh, gradual progression in terms of the record. Didn't necessarily work that way in the NFL all the time. Well, that, that's what that's what happened in Buffalo when uh, you know when Brandon Bean took over. They had an unexpectedly good first year and regressed in the second year. You because you you know the NFL everything is such a one score game and every everything so often depends on one play and one bounce of the ball. You, you never know. You can have a better roster and, and and not quite as good a record. Yeah, as I'm getting at, that's, that would not surprise me. Now, I expect the Vikings to have some regression. You can't go 11-0 and on one-score games and then get outscored for the season, have a negative point differential. That's not sustainable. Mm-hmm. I don't think – I think that's the big team which is going to have – some sort of regression and missed the playoffs, even though the NFC North is more open than it's been in a while because Aaron Rodgers is elsewhere. You know, I want to ask you, last thing I want to ask you is, you know, fans always obsess about cap space. And I try to tell people, look, you know, they'll figure it out. They have ways you can always move money around. And obviously, 
you know, it would be nice to have 50 or 60 million to spend all the time, but teams can figure out ways most of the time to, to move some money and, and, and get things done. What I, what I really want to know with entering of entering an NFL season, what's a kind of comfortable number for an NFL team to have in terms of operating expenses, you know, to go into a season and, and where can the Giants, you think, if you look at their roster, where do you think they're most likely to try to get more space? Well, some teams will cut it uh, very close to the uh, actual cap. But really, you want to have between three and five million to account for injuries and, and unex- unforeseen circumstances. Um, but you can get by on a lot less room of that than that and then have to restructure a contract during the season if you have to. The most obvious place is Leonard Williams. Um, he's got a $32.26 million cap hit. It's the third largest cap number in the league. He's got an $18 million base salary. So if you wanted to restructure him, and he's got one voting year in 2024 already, you could add through 2027 if you wanted to and take some portion of the $18 million and convert it into signing bonus if you wanted to. That's one way place you could get cap space. Um, safest space, well, you could also release him. Uh, mm-hmm. I remember right after the regular season, uh, after the playoffs, he talked about, well, I'd be willing to work with the Giants. That lasted all of, I think, 48 hours, and I know why. Because his agent probably was like, what are you doing? Don't talk about a pay cut. <laughs> no. And then that never came up again. Right. So his agent got in his ear. I was like, no, 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 no. You're not talking like that. Right. Um, another source, and this would be slightly unusual. Daniel Jones has, I think, a $9.5 million base salary. You can restructure him. Dallas did that with Dak Prescott a couple of years ago in the first year of his deal, did the deal. And then, um, did a restructure for cap purposes as well. That'd be one place to get some room. Um, Dory Jackson's. Oh, go ahead. Mm-hmm. I was just going to say that it that would be unusual, but that that's not changing the dollar amount. It's just changing the no, no. The it's just shifting the cap cap number. It's just pushing cap allegations to next year. And you know he's going to be here, so right. He's safe. Dory Jackson's got a cap number over nineteen million, the second highest cap hit for a cornerback. He'd be more of an extension candidate, you would think. Um, I don't know if you want to extend him, but. Uh, he's appropriately priced to me at 13 million per year. Uh, you didn't have any cornerbacks go out and get significant money mm-hmm. yet. Um, Jamal uh, Jamel Dean signed for 13 million um, to go back to Tampa Bay, so he's at 13. <laughs> I don't really think there's be much of, of a race if it. Right. Bradbury is slightly under 13 mm-hmm. um, in Philly, so. So he's that right. At the, he's he's right at the right number, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's right at the right place. Those, those would be probably your your biggest places to get cap. I don't know some people said, "What about Glowinski?" They salary's guaranteed. That ain't happening. He's right. there. <laughs> right. Yeah. So let's last thing for you. Let's circle back to Saquon real quick. Just your best guess. You know, I know you said it'll probably come down to the eleventh hour. Uh, best guess. Does it get done, and what and what might it look like? Yeah, cooler heads prevail. They get something done, um, probably close to the deadline. 
the Nick Chubb deal probably factors heavily into the equation. A couple of years ago, he signed for 36 over three of 21 million in guarantees. We're talking two years later, although Chubb's a more consistent player, um, not as versatile in terms of what he can do passing game. Um, but that may be a deal which factors in the equation. So if he offered him 12 and a half to start with in November, I don't know what the exact number was, whatever that number is, you got to at least get to there. I'd do it. I'd want to do a three if I'm a team, a team, mm -hmm. um, maybe if it's a four, um, the first two years are fully guaranteed and go from there. All right. Hey, Joel, appreciate the time. Thank you very, very much for the insight. We always, uh, always learn things, uh, about contracts and cap and negotiations and all that when we get a chance to talk. Oh, anytime. Thanks for having me. All right. Giants fans, thank you as always for listening. Please stay safe out there, take care of each other, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.